1: Thank you once again for tuning in to our Tuesday edition of the podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. We are still in North Carolina. We are at the Grace Baptist Church of Oxford, North Carolina, and we're in the middle of our meeting. We still have tonight at 7.30, tomorrow night at 7.30, and then we'll be heading home for a day to head to Western New York. looking forward to what the Lord is going to do, uh, not only Sunday at the Black Creek Baptist Church, but also Sunday as Brother R.G. Rose is preaching over at the Anchor Baptist Church in Wellsville, and he'll be there at Well, around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and then 6 o'clock in the evening. And hopefully be able to attend those services. We got to be with him this Sunday night. It was a great blessing to us. And so that's our update as far as services, as far as the Word of God being preached. Uh, There's much preaching coming up, many meetings coming up. We always try to keep folks apprised of those meetings on the podcast. And we certainly look forward to what the Lord is going to do this fall. We're slammed pretty full, and the Lord's added another meeting to us, and we'll just see what the Lord is going to do. We're back in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John saying, Now, this is those that have been baptized by John. This is those who have had meat for repentance. These are not foolish men. These are men that have come to the light that they have. And, but yet they're asking Jesus Christ this question. Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? Why is it we fast, but we do it often, but your disciples do not? And I go back to Anna and Simeon in the temple. When Anna with prayers and fastings, Simeon's there in the temple, no doubt, with prayers and fastings. But when he picks up the baby Jesus and he says, behold, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. The fasting and the longing for the coming Messiah is no longer because he's with them. And that's the reason why his disciples don't fast. There'll be a day when they're going to be persecuted. There's going to be a day when they'll to be torn and sawn asunder. There's going to be a day when they're going to come to great oppression. But that is not this day. The bridegroom is with them. And so they're not going to fast in this day because Jesus Christ is with them. He's on earth with them. They have seen his salvation. And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them and then shall they fast. So he tells them, there's a day when I'm leaving this earth and they're going to fast. They're going to be under such heavy persecution. They're going to be begging for me to come back, pleading with me to come back. They're going to be under such tri- tribulation that they're going to be longing for me in prayers and fastings and also to keep themselves unspotted from this world. And then he uses this illustration. No man putteth a piece of new cloth under an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. So why would they fast with Christ here? He is the bread of life. That's what they need. So why would they take an old garment and, and 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 take a new cloth and add it to that old garment? It's going to make it worse. No. What do you do? You make a new garment. And that's what Jesus Christ has done. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. That's right, so a mixture, a hodgepodge, if you will. And there's a lot of confusion over these scriptures. I've heard this used to justify many, many things. But let me just say this. The old bottles had old wine. A new bottle needs new wine. I'll illustrate it like this. Every day there needs to be newness with Christ. That's why we fast oft. That's why in this generation, we ought to pray daily, pray without ceasing, fast often. Why? Because we need something new from God every day. And I don't mean new doctrine. I mean something fresh and new. And like what the old preacher man said, he, we, we need that bread of life fresh every morning. That's something that's needful. Therefore, we do fast and we do pray. In verse 18, while he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler, and worshiped him saying, my daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him. And so did his disciples. And so here's a man of faith. There's a certain ruler. The word of God says, and it's interesting that he speaks of a certain ruler. And we see that throughout different places in the scriptures, a certain man, there was a certain rich man, There is a certain man who fell amongst thieves, and that Samaritan came to him. So again, not a parable. This is the truth. And Jesus arose, followed him, and so did his disciples. But on the way to see that man, this is what took place. Behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. I almost spoke on this, another question and answer on today's podcast, but I felt like the Lord wanted to go ahead and deal with Matthew chapter 9 again. But someone had contacted us about the hem of his garment. And I said, well, it's going to be in Matthew chapter 9 anyway, so we'll just talk about that for a few moments. We know another rendering of scripture that it said that he felt that virtue departed. His virtue went out. Now, what is that? Virtue is that absolute purity of Jesus Christ. It is purity of his character. It is holiness. It is all of those things in Christ, and he felt that virtue go out. But what's amazing about Jesus Christ is all his virtue can go out, and he's still virtuous. He has enough virtue to go around. Every man in the world could touch the hem of his garment. A virtue could go out to each one of them and make them whole, but it wouldn't affect him one bit. He's still God. He's still Christ. It's one of the things we see in Jesus Christ. We'll see it later on as he touches these lepers. It doesn't defile him. He doesn't have to go before the high priest. He can touch an unclean thing Why? he's God. He's that great high priest. He has a mitre on his head. It says, holiness to the Lord. He is Jesus Christ. He is under that anointing in the holy place. And that's the picture of Christ. It's a reality. So it was nothing for him. But this woman, by faith, she just touched the hem of his garment. Why did she touch his garment? said, I shall be whole. Absolute. She believed God. She had faith. She knew that Jesus Christ was who he said he was, and she knew that Jesus Christ would do what he said he could do, and he did it. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Why? She had no comfort. She was unclean. For 12 years, she'd had an issue of blood. For 12 years, there was no hugs. For 12 years, there was no comfort. For 12 years, if she was married, we don't know that in this particular case, but in 12 years, he could not sit on her bed with her if she was married to a husband. There was no one that could touch her. She was an unclean woman. There was no comfort. There was no one to bring her meals and special days and special treats and someone to bring flowers and cards and all the things that some people hold so dear today. There was no comfort for her. But what did he say? Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. She believed God. She believed the word of God. She believed that Jesus Christ would do exactly what he said he would do. And he did. That was her faith. It said "Have made her whole. And the woman's made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said to them, give place for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. I never understood this passage of scripture until I was actually in Thailand, of all places, and a funeral beer went by. We saw this secondarily then in Cambodia. Early in the morning, someone has died in the night, and the family pays a funeral truck adorned with gold and adorned with flowers, and they lay that coffin in there. It's covered with flowers and covered with Buddhas, and and the family's in there. They're throwing rose petals out, loud, obnoxious, uh, Southeast Asia, D minor music is playing, and it's blaring on the loudspeakers and traffic moves out of the way. And the family's throwing uh, flower petals. And it's just just this hullabaloo over the dead person. And it's interesting. I remember not long after that, going back, we saw it two times in three days. Uh, once in Thailand and once in Cambodia. And I came back and saw this in the minstrels. And uh, what are the minstrels doing? Well, he tells you what they're doing. They're making a noise. Why? For the dead. It's some type of ritual. Has nothing to do with anything in the scripture. It's just a ritual that they're doing, and it's probably more of a practice that they've picked up from the heathens, from the pagans, and it certainly was from anybody else. But the the minstrels are even there. They're playing instruments, and they're he said making a noise. That's not music, by the way. And when he said the maid is not dead but but they laughed him to scorn. And when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. It's interesting. He didn't let them be around. He's going to be defiled again by a dead body. He's just defiled by a woman who has an issue. He's just now defiled by a dead body. It doesn't phase him. Why? He's the son of God. That's why you can come to him with your issues. That's why you can come to him dead in trespass and sins. That's why you can come to him with your leprosy. That's why you can come to him with the skull of leprosy in your body and not defile him because he's the son of God. And God commended this, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, knowing that he'd be defiled, knowing that we would touch him, knowing that this would take place, yet he still gave himself for us. I've said for many, many years, in Christ, nothing can defile me. And there's folks that get all bent out of shape about that. They don't understand the position of Christ, understand the position of being the in the new man, Christ in us, the hope of glory. And I've used illustrations and just had folks so irritated and, oh my goodness, but if you do this, you'll be defiled. If you do this, you'll be defiled. If you do this, you'll be defiled. Do you realize this outside world cannot affect me unless I lust in my own heart? There's nothing can affect me unless I allow that lust into my heart. That look leads to lust. There's nothing that can affect me. Why? Because I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. And I have that mitre upon my head. And I have that anointing. I have that breastplate. The things that defile me are the things that come out of me. He tells you that. And there's so many folks that are worried about the outward defiling them. What does that mean? They don't want a sinner touching them. Uh, They don't want some heathen coming by touching them. They got their mask on spiritually. They got their gloves on spiritually. They're using their spiritual hand sanitizer to to deal with the defiled. They don't want the defiled. They don't want the unclean around them. It didn't bother Jesus Christ. He's touched by a woman. Doesn't make him unclean. He continues on to a house, touches a dead body. He never defiles him. He's still clean. When the people were put forth, he went and took him by the hand, and the maid arose. Why? She's resurrected. He's Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. And all the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he's come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus saith unto them, Believe you that I am able to do this? They said unto him, Yea, Lord. And they hadn't seen miracles. They've heard of him, but they'd not seen miracles. And they followed him. Why were they following him? Because they cried, "Thou son of David, they believed that he was the Christ. They believed he was that one. Have mercy on us. He touched their eyes in verse 29, saying, according to your faith, be it unto you. And did not defile him. and didn't change him. And their eyes were opened and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, see that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all the country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. Oh, this will certainly defile Jesus Christ. A dumb man possessed with the devil? The devil has shut his mouth. He can't speak. This certainly will defile him. The devils will defile him. The devil was cast out. Isn't that interesting? (laughs) The dumb spake and the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. What has he done just in one journey? He's healed a woman with the issue of blood 12 years. He's gone to raise the ruler's daughter. He's healed two blind men. Now a man with a devil comes to him, what does he do? He casts out the devil. And they said, this has never been seen. We never saw such a thing in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. They couldn't see that this is Christ who could not be defiled. See, the funny thing with the Pharisees, they were so easily defiled, they had to make rules that everybody else had to follow because they were so easily defiled. And because they were so clean living, They were afraid to touch anything unclean. They were afraid to have compassion. I believe that's why religion passed by that man on the roadside. I believe that's where that Samaritan came and poured in oil and wine into his wounds and and paid for him to be uh, set up for a few days and took care of his need and then offered more money if need be. You know, he wasn't worried about being defiled. He was worried about that man's care. And I mean, there's a whole lot of people out there that don't want people to defile them, don't want to be defiled. They don't want to touch unclean. They don't want to be bothered by devils. They don't want to be tormented with uncleanness. Therefore, they just ignore the plight of people. But Jesus Christ was not that way. And Jesus went about in the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Do you know why? Because when he saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them. The so the man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He took care of their physical needs and took care of their spiritual needs. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherds. See, now he's interested in their spiritual problem. He realized there's no shepherd. There's no leader. There's no guide. There's no one to take them through the tough times, through the trials, through the tribulations. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And so he did in the days of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. His disciples went everywhere with him, praying, laying on of hands, healing, casting out devils. Why? Because he was ordered of Jesus Christ. And so again, we see his earthly ministry has taken off. We see he's come. He's healed. He's touched. Never been defiled. He's never been unclean. He's still the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. We'll go to chapter 10, Lord willing, tomorrow.
0: There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting.
1: You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelists.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manassa Community Baptist Church. 70 back hollow road blaine pennsylvania 17006 thank you for listening and we pray that the lord will help each of us as we study and preach the word of god don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow and remember to look up for your redemption for all nigh. night
0: now the angel stars sing.